everyone, it's Lindsay and Allie. And are you living with regrets? Have any of you guys ever felt crudgy in the mornings? <laughs> Allie's feeling very crudgy. I'm like cruddy. Like my like I, I can't clear my throat enough. Just a little fun fact every time before we start filming. We both sit here and go <laughs> <laughs> to get the crudge out of us. And she goes, I just feel crudgy this morning. I'm like cruddy. Like you just got a bunch of stuff in your throat and it will not come uh, out. That's I think me. that's what we're gonna name this episode is crudgy. Crudgy. This is sounding crudgy what if already. It's an actual word and we just think we're so funny and creative. Should and I not. Google it? Yeah, do it. <laughs> While she does that, welcome to the Living with Regrets podcast. Today is going to be a little bit of a special episode. Um, We actually went on to Reddit, and if you are not familiar with Reddit, I think a lot of people know what it's called. (laughs) Did you find it? Yeah. It says crudgy is a combination of cruddy and curmudgeon to consistently see the bad in people's situations or things to demonstrate a pattern of complaining. Right. Well, I mean, and then there pulls up some stream crudgy music <laughs> on Spotify. So it's, a, it's a genre of music. Okay. Well, Interesting. Anyways. We're still going to name it crudgy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Who Reddit. Am I? Where am I? Oh, Reddit. If you've never experienced the Reddit world, first of all, go in with caution. But second of all, what a trip. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. <laughs> There's anything you can find. Essentially, people just post like a topic or a title and then others can comment on it. And there's like really big ones, like, um, I don't want to say websites, but like, um, sorry, buddy. I don't know where you're going with this. Well, just like describing what Reddit is like, well, like, like people, like there's one that would be all about, I don't know, dogs, you know, like yeah. it is. And there's a bunch that. of people comment like yeah, thousands like, and millions and then yeah. things within it. So we looked up regrets in there and we, found a really good thread. That's what they're called, threads. Threads, <clears throat> yes. We found a really good thread um, full of regrets. We have six of them. One of the six actually has three really small ones, but they all have to do with the same type of situation. And two of these are extremely long. Right. So. Yeah. We're going to treat it like a prompt episode. Yeah, so we're going to just go through and read them as they were written by the Reddit person and then maybe just do a little bit of comment, commenting in between and then just move on to the next one. But yeah, keep trucking. Yeah. Are you in the market for a new home or trying to sell your own? Cook Real Estate is, without a doubt, your best option. And I would know. Emily's my agent. She helped Brock and I navigate purchasing our first home and then was there for us when it came time to sell and repurchase another new home a few years down the road. She has been selling homes now for nine years and has also has 20 years experience as a certified appraiser. Emily is able to help you determine the best asking price for the home you're trying to sell and knows exactly what to look for in a potential new home while helping you view it. For example, the home we just bought was a foreclosure, and if you're not familiar with how those work, it's buyer beware, because we don't get to be told anything about the home. Well, when Emily came to view the home with us, she discovered some fire damage in the basement that we had overlooked. It wasn't anything of concern and passed inspection just fine, but it was something we were able to use as a bargaining chip against the bank to get a better deal, and we would have probably not had that if we hadn't had Emily on our side. 
Quite honestly, I could just go on and on about the information Emily has provided Brock and I since working with her for the first time four years ago, but we'd be here forever listening to it. What it boils down to, she goes above and beyond typical expectations of a real estate agent. If I had to choose some adjectives to describe Emily, they would be extremely knowledgeable, resourceful, responsive, and thorough. Cook Real Estate serves Northeast Iowa with its main office location in West Union. So when you're ready to buy and or sell, do yourself a favor and hire Emily Cook, owner of Cook Real Estate. Visit her Facebook page, Cook Real Estate-EmilyCook, for her contact information. Again, search Cook Real Estate, K-O-C-H, on Facebook, or follow the link in our show notes. Okay. All right, so our first... Reddit response or regret. (laughs) Three years ago, my father passed away. In the months leading up to his death, he has been struggling with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Oh, girl. My my grandma has that. Oh, oh. (laughs) I was like, I don't know how to say that. That's the only reason I know how to because my grandma has it and was diagnosed with it this year. (laughs) His lungs were turning to scar tissue and no one knew why. And he had been working with the Duke Medical Center exploring the possibility of a lung transplant. He had just returned home from a multi-day battery of tests and examinations there and was feeling pretty good about his chances when he fell ill with what appeared to be pneumonia and was hospitalized. He was having difficulty breathing, well, more than usual, so he knew so <clears throat> excuse me, he was put on a ventilator. Very late the previous night, I had returned to my own home about an hour from the hospital after a long car trip and was still tired from the journey when I received a call from my mother explaining the situation. We agreed I'd visit the next day when they had more information on his condition and he'd have a chance to settle in. That evening, his doctor decided to put him in what was meant to be a temporary drug-induced coma. He was fighting the ventilator and in a lot of pain, and putting him under would give him his body a chance to rest and hopefully heal as the machine did his breathing for him. A few days later, he was airlifted from the local hospital back to Duke Medical, where he was reevaluated as a transplant candidate. His application was rejected because his condition had deteriorated so far that the transplant board didn't believe he'd be able to survive the procedure or the months of rehab that would follow. We made the decision to put him out of his misery and take him off life support, and my mother, brother, and I watched him pass away. Our decision ended up being validated by how quickly his body gave out. It took less than five minutes for him to go. The staff didn't even have time to bring us snacks. Did you know that hospitals provide cookies, crackers, soda, etc. to the families of patients waiting to die? I didn't. We thought it was kind of funny even at the time, but the nurses explained it took, usually took hours for someone to pass on after life support was shut off, and those waiting usually got hungry. That would be miserable. I that just would say be that. awful. Like, just being like, okay, we're going to do this. And then you just sit there for hours right. waiting. Okay, like, come on. It's not like in Grey's Anatomy the, where they shut it off and it's like, it's like 30 pee-dee. seconds later. <laughs> like, oh, that would be so painful. <clears throat> uh, two things bothered me about the manner of his passing. One was personal and what I considered my greatest regret, even though I strive to live a life free of them. I didn't make the effort to go visit him the day he was hospitalized. I hadn't known it at the time, of course. No one did. But it would have been my last chance to speak to him. The second was sort of outraged on his behalf. He had been full of hope about getting his disease permanently managed and returning to some semblance of a normal life. And he got sick. Sorry. But he got sick. 
Then he was put under with the assurance it was just temporary and he'd be woken back up in a few days. I took lots of pictures of him getting wheeled out and loaded into the chopper to show him the adventure he'd been on without once, without knowing once he woke back up. But he never woke back up. It hurt that I didn't get to say goodbye, but Ugh hurt, but it Ugh hurt much but more. It Ugh hurt more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> it hurt much more that he didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. It took me a long time to get over that. That night, after his body was taken away for cremation, my now smaller family returned to our nearby hotel suite, and I slept on the sofa in the main room, letting my mother and younger brother take the bed. In my dreams, and I rarely dream, there had been some kind of mistake. My father came to the door of our hotel room and laughed at how inept the hospital had been, mixing him up with someone else. Now go help your mother pack so we can go home. I woke up and stared at the ceiling of the hotel room, and everything felt wrong for a while until I was able to sort out the difference between dream and reality once more. That is so sad. And just so you know, I'm not crying. My throat literally is just She's not crudgy, talking. She's crudgy, don't forget. <laughs> my throat's not talking. <laughs> yeah, like it's just not letting my words come out. Uh, That's awful. I would be... Um, I, like, I don't want to ever go through that. <laughs> I didn't think about the fact he said outrage on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you were promised you were getting woken back right. up. Right, That's and awful. I mean, granted, maybe that was a peaceful way to go. Just like, right. I'm going to go. But, like, yeah, to not be able to say those goodbyes when you could have right. had a chance. And that that's just Yeah, if they wouldn't have put him under, he could have at least. And, you know, like, maybe since she wasn't there, like, maybe when they put him under, he had said to right. his wife or whatever or something. But yeah, still. Oh. So it is, like, cheated almost. Right. It's cheated. Uh, the second one is read by me, <laughs> Lindsay. Um, and... It's two sentences, <laughs> and it's hilarious. I felt like it was a really good palate cleanser after that heavy one. I did that with the lat. Then we have another really heavy long one. This one, I was just like, good Lord. Um, it says, if coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> okay, big boy. You got it, buddy. I guess we could be for Or girl. In my no, mind, that's I'm definitely seeing, masculine. In my mind, I'm seeing like a football game. So that's where I went. How do you know? Oh, it I sounds just, like if you watch One Tree Hill, it's just masculine. like it's um, like uh, Dan Scott. It's just like, I can't. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh, All right. God. Okay, so moving on from that, whatever that was. Whatever that was. <laughs> Our third regret is also a little bit shorter. I've got plenty of regrets, but I'll share my most recent one. Not treating my girlfriend better. I see now that I didn't appreciate her enough. I really didn't trust her enough. There are so many times where I wish I could take back something, keep my trap shut, etc., etc. I'm torturing myself. I go over and over in my head what I wish happened instead. I loved her with all my heart, and I still do, but she's left me. I'm a wreck now. I'm extremely unhappy and wish so many things in my life were different. I don't know what to do or rather where to start. I grabbed this one off Reddit because I feel like we are consistently reading stories where the woman, like we have like female writers writing in saying how big of a piece of shit their boyfriend was, blah, 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 blah. And now it's like, oh my gosh, this guy like from the other end of it is saying, I was such a piece of shit. <laughs> like it was kind of cool to, to see that difference, I think. Right. I think a lot of, I don't know, but I feel like a lot of guys feel that way. Right. And don't admit it out loud. Mm-hmm. I feel like when girls get broken up with, they're like, he, he just thought I was a bitch. And they just kind of like move on and get over yeah. it. But then the guys, I feel like secretly, quietly process it. Yep. <laughs> we, we know your secrets. Come on. <laughs> we know. Be honest. Uh, okay, this next one is really long and really heavy. The writer actually put a trigger warning in there. 
um, because it does have to do with attempted suicide and self-harm and all that. So just be aware. Trigger warning. This might not be an easy read for some of you. This is the first time I've ever opened up about any of this in public. Even my family isn't really aware of a lot of this, for reasons I'm sure you're about to understand. My first time, in a word, was due to bullying. I was an awkward teenager, and I've got very Norwegian. I've got a very Norwegian name that looks like someone ate a bunch of alphabet soup, <laughs> shot diary <laughs> at a wall, and wrote down the result. I got messed with quite a bit as a result of both facts. Ended up being sh shuttled around between schools because I was inevitably kicked out of a school for fighting. As at a certain point, I snapped, stalked around my high school breaking stuff. Did a few grand worth of damage. If I had a gun, I would have been Columbine. It would have been Columbine five years before Columbine. Oof. Eek. They had to call my parents to grab me, and I was institutionalized for about six months at 16 years of age. I put on a good face, did my time in the hospital, and finally got released. Less than three days later, I was in the ICU after a massive overdose of my psych meds. I had to have my stomach pumped, got charcoal. It was a pretty close call. For the record... Having charcoal pumped in your stomach through a tube in your nose isn't really a pleasant experience. I just got to the point where it felt like the cycle wouldn't end. I'd never graduate, I'd always be miserable, and I'd start having the usual effects of PTSD. I started having the usual effects. Hallucinations, self-destructive thoughts about how terrible I was, scary rages that left me exhausted and cost me a lot of beloved possessions, panic attacks. After a few weeks, I got out of the ICU and back into the hospital. About a year later, give or take, I was finally out and sent from New York to Colorado to stay with my dad. If it's because the state said I had to, or if my mother couldn't take looking at me after all of that, I'll probably never really know. Fast forward about 14 years, my marriage dissolved and my PTSD was still mostly untreated. I'd been homeless off and on the entire time, scrapping by with odd jobs and teaching MMA to keep myself alive. Kind of like a badass. Right? <laughs> Like Good a horrible, skills. yeah, it was like a horrible, but like <laughs> badass. I kicked off a wicked drug habit that culminated in a pretty sick heroin addiction. I didn't use needles, but I did a ton of heroin and crack. It was bad. I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, and that weighs on you. I'm not really going to get into that part of my life, except to say that if, that if you get much further than pot, or maybe I can hallucinogenics. Thank you, hallucinogens. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Apparently, I am because I can't say that word. <laughs> That shit is dangerous. They are exactly as right about it as they are wrong about pot. To make a long story short, I finally cut that stuff out of my life and moved back in with my parents to regain some semblance of normalcy. Had enough. Got a job, probably the best I'd ever had at that point, and then I lost it because of the stress of finally treating my disease. I spun out. With PTSD, it's pretty tough to, fight, uh, to keep depression in check unless you've got some serious tools to control it. I started feeling the urge to pick up my old habits, and again, just kind of felt like it was going to be more of the same. So I hit that point again. Gave up. Overdosed. This one didn't go as badly. I was only in the hospital for about a month, and actually got some skills to actually keep me in check. Since, I've traveled all over America. Started in Maine and found my way all the way out to Montana. Started writing, which worked out better than I'd expected, all things considered. But you know what? I can't say it ever really gets better. Things are stable, but medical care is expensive, and I'm still paying the bills for getting put back together again. My last attempt was probably three to four years ago. It left me with thousands in debt. But things are different now. I've gotten so close to death that I could have had a nice chat with her. <laughs> I OD'd so bad that I lost control of my bodily functions and almost coded a few times. I know what it's like, and I know how bad of an idea it is. 
what people never tell you and what I'm going to is that when you get that close, all you can think about is how much of a mistake you're making. It's painful, it's humiliating, and it's ugly. I still flash back to being on the table and having my clothes cut off, vomiting charcoal and later shitting it out in one painful brick. <laughs> they never talk about the look in your family's eyes. My mom came to see me in the hospital while they were putting me together. I will never forget the look of fear in her eyes. Me stuck to a table covered in tubes and wires and beeping machines, strapped down to prevent injuring myself in case I had a seizure, black rock flowing down my throat, sweating and covered in crap, and the more pain I, it was more pain that I had ever experienced before or since. One lesson I did take away from it is exactly how mean and selfish the entire act is. What I never considered was exactly how bad I was going to hurt my family. That probably hurt more than, any, than almost dying. I still have trouble forming relationships as a result. Moral of the story, after having gone through it and a reoccurrence, I'm incredibly mellow now. I know how much worse it can be, so nothing phases me. But I won't lie to you and tell you that the world gets better or that I got some huge epitome out of it. My only epitome is that suicide is fucking stupid. Life's still hard, that will never change. Sometimes I wish I could say some happy platitude about how much more I appreciate every day, but I'd be lying if I said it was the case. You adjust, you move on. My life's probably similar to everyone reading this. Yeah, sorry. My life's probably similar to everyone reading this. It's still just as raw and ugly and real. But it's also exactly as fun and beautiful as and batshit crazy. And I'm still around to live it, so I guess that's a plus. I'll definitely say that the only, that the one thing in my entire life that if I had to do it over again, I'd change. Oh, I got a breath. That's a lot. Um, the part about, like, you regret it as soon as it's, like, the moment. Happening. Mm -hmm. There are people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, that's a super mm -hmm. common way. Mm -hmm. And, like, very few have survived. And this guy that was a survivor, like, has spoken out. And he said that he goes, I can guarantee you, the second your feet leave that rail, you're like, fuck, fuck, no, fuck, no, fuck, no, fuck, no. fuck, fuck, why did I do that? Yeah. And I think it's such a, an important lesson to learn. Because the amount of 13-year-olds that were in my office this last year that wanted to kill themselves because their boyfriend broke up. I'm like, what? Right. Like, but it is such a thrown around thing now. And then too. you think back to the time when you're like, well, yeah. Like, At that you know, time, it was the most important thing. It was thing. so important mm -hmm. that that one guy didn't want you or that right. one girl didn't want you. Your friend or you said this. You weren't the starting quarterback. Yeah. You weren't the starting volleyball player. Like, and this person said, like, there are worse so things out there. It's so unimportant. <laughs> and even those really bad things you can, you can get through. Right. So. Ugh. I think it's another <laughs> big thing to talk about how this person talked a lot now about how they're just mellow and just living life. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a lot of people that go through, I feel like, like the drug rehab and stuff, I f they still struggle daily with that battle. Yes. Like, for the rest of their lives. It doesn't just go away. Oh. And that's, that would be awful. Any sort of That addiction. would be fucking awful. My good friend's dad had to stop chewing tobacco because of some of his conditions. And my husband chews and... He was giving him shit one day. He's like, you're never going to not want it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm how many years down the road? I still want it. You just have to tell yourself no. Right. Same thing with vaping. All of yep. the people. I mean, like, that's obviously taken over society Everything in general. Right yeah. Is vaping. And I don't know. It'll be that for a lot of people when they try to quit that, too. Yep. That'll be a struggle the rest of their lives. Yep. Ugh. All right. So our fifth regret is kind of a mush of three of them together because they were all similar. 
correct? And very short, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of just put three little ones together. Uh, the first one is, my mother passed away when I was eight. Cancer. It came to the point where death was inevitable. My dad asked if I wanted to see her, and I said no. Mm. The second one. The day my dad killed himself, I was walking out of the house and running late for class. He asked me to have some breakfast with him, but I just yelled, I don't have time, and walked out. That one hurt me because mm. that person probably blames himself. Right, for sure. Ugh. And the third one. Hanging out with a friend instead of visiting my father in the hospital. He died that night, and I never said, I never got to say goodbye. I'm, like, huge in saying I love you before you leave and mm-hmm. giving a kiss no matter what. You're on the phone or whatever. Yep, because yep. of that shit. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw a TikTok video me. the other day of a guy that um, his wife came and dropped him off lunch at work <gasps> one day. Did you see it? Yeah. And, like and then she had a seizure yes. and hit a tree <clears throat> and, like, half of his family died. Yep. And he's like, yeah, she dropped me off lunch. Yep. <laughs> like, I didn't think anything was going to We talked about having chili happen. dogs for supper yep. tonight. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. It was so it sad. It hurt so bad. Uh, okay, this last one is another really short one, and it's a funny one because I think we need a palate cleanser and yes. all that. <clears throat> I was in seventh grade, and I knew I was on my period. I would hope so. <laughs> I kind of Mom, like, why am I bleeding? Ouch. <laughs> I kind of felt like I should go change my pad, but said screw it because I wanted to go during my next class next to a less used bathroom. I leaked through my shorts so bad that there was some on the seat. Luckily, no one but my male teacher noticed, but I still think about it and die inside. <laughs> Okay, just the the sentence of, I felt like I needed to change my pad. The pad. (laughs) Because in seventh grade, you're like, oh my god, I can't wear a tampon. No, god no. I was petrified of them. Literally. Uh, And like the less used bathroom, like you had to be so sneaky Mm -hmm. about it. Now, like, girls are just running around school going, I am in my period. Yeah, it's much more common, which is great. It's great, yeah, (laughs) should be. Um, Okay, that's all we have. Just for the future, um, we have a couple... Um, submissions waiting for us right now. <laughs> a couple submissions waiting for us right now, but um, yeah, we're we're running low, and we still need episode seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen to be filled up. So, um, episode twenty, we're gonna have our season finale, and we are gonna have you guys help participate in that. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, but. Yeah, we're needing you guys to send submissions. I know it can be scary. Maybe you truly just can't think of anything. Maybe you keep meaning to and you forget. Just give us what you can. We really appreciate anybody who sends anything in. Another thing that I was thinking about is even if you're like a listener that is here a lot and likes listening to us and wants to see us continue, um, feel free to like ask other people like, hey, do you have a regret that I could send in for mm-hmm. you? Like parents, your parents probably have some really damn good stories. That's a good idea. Some damn good stories. Like, I thought about, like, asking my dad about his college days. Like, you know, what's one thing that you think back on? Because I'm sure it'd be hilarious. Yeah. Or same thing, like, with my mom. I know she went through kind of, like, a hard breakup at one point in her life, too, and just asking her more about that because you Mm -hmm. think the world is ending and whatnot. So, you know, feel free to ask your parents, siblings, or other people that may be grandparents. I mean, I'm sure grandparents got some hell stories, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Grandma Jerry could whip some out. I I promise you. (laughs) You got to call her right now. (laughs) So, yeah, don't feel, you know, and of course, get their permission to submit it for us. And it'll be anonymous, so it doesn't really matter anyways. But that way, you know, we can keep going and it might be cultivate some really interesting stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, a couple of reminders. Remember to submit. You can do it two different ways. Send to our email, theregretspodcast at gmail.com. Remember that 
we can see who you are in the email. Um, just let us know that you want to remain anonymous or not and all that. Otherwise, you can go to our link tree and find our completely anonymous Google form. That one, you will absolutely not be known to us in any way, shape or form. It doesn't tell us who. <laughs> just full disclosure, we've gotten through this whole episode, but there are. There's so much going there's on. There's trucks outside, cats meowing. Allie's one dog will not sit still if it's life depends on it. Her sister Emma's just took showering. a shower. Yeah, like there's just been a lot going just on. You my knee. Sorry. Are you trying to feel me up? No. <laughs> so we, you know, what the fuck ever. Oh. Yep. Hello. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, go to that Google form that is completely, completely anonymous. We can't see it and um, we don't care to. Yeah. No, we don't need to. And check us out on our socials, our Facebook page, Living With Regrets, and Instagram, Living With Regrets. I don't know who takes us out this time. I'm going to try. I think. Is it me? Sure. Regretfully yours, Lindsay and Allie. (laughs)